When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My neighbor took my parking spot after I shoveled, so I poured water in his windshield. It was a cold winter day. Eight inches of snow had fallen the night before, and the wind chill made it feel as if it were in the negatives outside. I drive an all-wheel SUV, so I have no issues getting out of the driveway. My wife, on the other hand, drives a Prius, which slides with the smallest amount of moisture on the road. My car was down at the time, so we had to take my wife's car, and I spent 45 minutes in the freezing cold shoveling the car out so we could get to the store. We were gone for an hour and when we came back, our neighbor had taken the spot I shoveled. Our apartment complex doesn't have assigned parking, but in the winter it's basically understood that if you shovel a spot, it's yours. So when I saw his car in the spot I had just shoveled, I was pretty pissed. I went inside and filled two gallon jugs of water, went back out and poured them on his windshield, rinse and repeat. I must have poured about 10 gallons of water on his car, and being how cold it was, it was already freezing by the time I poured the last on, and it sat like that overnight. The next morning, I got to watch as he helplessly tried to scrape all the layers of ice off his windshield. Don't take my parking spot. I just feel like it's pretty obvious if, like, there's a shoveled spot and the rest of them aren't shoveled that you probably shouldn't take it because someone's coming back, you know? I don't live in a place where there's a ton of snow and even I could figure that out. I feel like this is the perfect revenge, though. Just basically give them an igloo that they're locked out of and watch them struggle in the morning. Harmless, non-confrontational, but still pretty hilarious at the end of the day. This is some petty revenge that I could get behind. All right, what's going on, guys? It's your boy Scrub here, back again with another video. As you guys know, the red videos have been doing pretty good here on the channel, so I figured I'd bring you guys a uh, especially long one today. We're going to be taking a look at this subreddit r slash petty revenge because I figured it would have some entertaining story times for us to get into. So uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into it and press the like button. Otherwise, no joke, no scam. You're going to get 720 no scoped by a llama and then he's going to, uh, you know, post it on YouTube and it's going to go viral. You don't want that. So press the like button and let's go. Trying to buy a house from the most entitled couple that I've ever met. Years ago, we decided to move closer to my parents. The housing choices were slim, but we found a dilapidated house close by, and it looked like it needed lots of work and seemed overpriced for the area. We organized a viewing to decide on it and brought my very practical dad with us for a second opinion. The viewing was conducted by the owners, and from the very beginning, they were off. They'd never sold a house before, and we were the first people to view it, and they actually said to us during the viewing that they were doing us a favor for offering us their hoarder's paradise at such a great price. We told them we wanted to move closer to my parents, and I think they assumed we were desperate. We got home, had a think, and the next day offered the agent a price below the asking price, which we believed to be suitable for its condition. Hours later, the agent calls back and says the owners are going to prey on it for a week and give us an answer. This time span is unheard of in my country, as an answer is usually given in a day. A week later, they decline our offer, and we offered the agent another 2000 The agent calls back and tells us the seller refused to give us an answer yet, because they haven't even started looking for a house, and the owners think they can sell it for more than the asking price now, so they'll get back to us when they're ready and we'll wait. We rescinded the offer. 
A month later, we find a house in the same area with a lot less work needed and only $180,000. I offer through the same agent was accepted and we moved in four months later. During this time, the agent calls us and said the entitled sellers found a house and would like to offer us their house at the original price and we declined. I was interested in the progress of the old house because the sales sign hadn't moved, so I chatted to the agent and he told me we were the only offer in six months and these people had been an absolute nightmare from the start. They expected the agent to pay for cleaners, ready for the viewings, and wouldn't take any advice with the sale. Remember, hoarder's house. He also said that they'd recently put a deposit on a house against his advice before selling theirs, so now the old house is going up for auction because they need the cash. I instantly called my dad. He was looking for a property for my sister and had already seen the house and he was interested. So off we popped to the auction house on the day and bid for it. The owners were in the room and hadn't noticed us. When the hammer went down, my dad owned the house for 110000 He signed off on the sale and paid the deposit just as the previous owners came into the office and their faces were a picture. I gave them a crap-eating grin and left. I love how they just expected you to wait weeks while they were like house shopping and then when they were ready you could give them what they wanted. Yeah, listen, we understand it's been a month and we're hoarders, but uh, we'll take that 200k. I understand that's way more than you offered, but we'll just take the full amount. Hey, I guess uh, it comes full circle when you end up getting the house for 90000 less dollars than they wanted you to pay, right? That's a massive W for you. Neighbors kept complaining about my Christmas decorations, so I just kept adding more of them. I own a big house. I'm talking an old Victorian type that I restored. An older couple moved in across the street this summer and started complaining about everything I did. They didn't like the siding I was having put on, my front door colors ugly, they hated all the different colored flowers I had planted, they didn't like the idea of a young single woman living in a house I clearly couldn't afford, and they actually told me that. I tried to ignore them until Christmas. I put up a few lights and a few blow-ups and nothing that the other neighbors don't do, and this couple started complaining right off. Christmas offended them. I just smiled and added more, and at this moment, my house can be seen on Mars. To add to the petty, I told the neighbor next to me, and he told another, and then another, and you get the picture. First of all, it's none of your business how they afford the house. As long as it's taken care of, it's absolutely none of your concern, you know? Yet you mind your business. But on top of that, I love that all the neighbors are getting involved. If there's one thing I've learned from many Christmas movies, you never complain about Christmas lights because then your neighbor is going to go insanely overboard. Like, seriously. I understand that they don't like Christmas, but if they had watched a single Christmas movie, they would have been familiar with this concept, you know? You're CCing everyone about my supposed mess up? Fine, I'll reply all with my response. We recently launched a project to select a group of beta testers, and late on a Sunday evening, I'm not paid to be on call or work in the weekend, I got an email from the boss CCing everyone involved with the project. That the entire site is down, and can I please get it sorted urgently? As this makes the company look bad, complete with a screenshot of the problem. I'm really glad for the screenshot. I didn't even need to open my laptop to see what the problem was. I'm mildly peeved at the tone of the email, and I don't think including everyone plus the janitor was necessary, so I reply all, saying the reason the boss is getting an error is because he typed the wrong website into his browser. I get a sheepish mail from him the next day saying that no, it was actually one of the beta testers that had sent him the message about the website not working in the screenshot. He had just forwarded it and was glad that he wasn't actually a problem. Sure, buddy. Very petty, but I got a kick out of it. I mean, he tried to make the save, but yeah, I don't understand why you need to include everybody in the janitor on a problem that you haven't even double-checked. If anything, it makes it more embarrassing that a beta tester sent you a screenshot and you immediately had to embarrass him in front of everyone. You know, 
know, you might want to fact check before you start slinging around accusations of someone being lazy, dude. It's insane how many people don't understand how to be a boss that, like, respects their employees. You don't need to embarrass them in front of everyone. If anything, that's just gonna make them hate you. Upstairs neighbor doesn't care, so I made them care. I used to live in an old renovated farmhouse with one apartment upstairs and mine below. I would have to get up for work every day at 3 a.m., and the hardworking mom upstairs worked two jobs for her obnoxious kids. Every time she worked an overnight shift, they would throw parties and be rowdy like crap. Loud music, banging on the walls, and what sounded like them bouncing medicine balls off the ground. I went up several times and knocked them and told them, look, I'm not gonna tell your mom or call the cops, I just want some sleep, but, so you know, you're fine to keep having fun, but could you please keep the noise down so I can wake up for work at 3? I did this several times in one week, and they finally told me, F off, you old man. I was 23. I knew my landlord, and he knew how to work on, or he knew I knew how to work on houses, so he gave me the only key to the basement where all electrical, hot water heaters, and etc. were stored. After being told to go F myself, I had enough, went downstairs, flipped off the breaker to the upstairs apartment, locked the door, and went back for a peaceful night's sleep. Woke up at 3 and turned the power back on as I left for work. Every day, the parties got loud for the next two weeks. I would simply turn off the power and enjoy a nice night's sleep. After that, no more parties. I think the message came through. I have to give immense respect for the fact that he didn't snitch in all of this. Like, he could have easily have gone to their mom and been like, look, your kids are throwing parties every time you're at work. He didn't want to stress her out, didn't want to add more to her plate, so he just waged, you know, psychological warfare on the upstairs apartment by turning the power off. I think it's pretty funny, all things considered. Like he said, I'm not gonna tell anyone, just keep it down. Oh, go F yourself. All right, all right, man. Now I'm just turning off the power if you guys are gonna try to keep me up all night. You know, your mom's not home. She's the one paying the bills. Not like you guys need the power if she's not here. She's just insanely confused on like why the alarm clocks are reset after every shift. Say goodbye to your check. Short and sweet. I was waiting in line at the bank and they have you line up outside. That's not a problem, but on this particular day, it was a little bit windy, which was not a problem for me. This guy gets out of his car, check in hand, and you know where this is going. The wind whips the check out of his hand and I somehow managed to step on it as it scooted by me. I wasn't really expecting a thank you to be honest, but I definitely wasn't expecting the guy to chew me out for dirtying up his check. Thanks for stepping on my check, the bank probably won't accept it now. Call me a jerk, but I lifted up my foot and let it blow away in the wind down the street and said, well they definitely won't accept it now. The guy flipped his crap as he was chasing it down the street and I got called up as next in line. Sorry not sorry. Listen, I mean obviously the act itself's a little mean, but I don't think you're mean because he was upset with you for dirtying up the check. I mean, alright, sure, I'll just let it blow away next time. That's exactly what you did. I don't understand why you'd be mad at a stranger for doing you a solid and preventing you from have to run down after paper in the wind, but on the bright side, at least he got his cardio in, you know. You're a jerk! Yep, well, alright, my check will be cash by the time you get back, big dog. Reserve a bike locker when you shouldn't? Nothing a 20-pound pair of bolt croppers can't fix forever. This happened a few years ago, and I was reminded of it on another bike lock revenge. The town where I live in has full-size bike lockers that are very secure, and on these lockers are signs saying you can re can't reserve them by leaving them locked and empty. I regularly commuted from my hometown to the next big city, and I used to cycle each morning to the train station, wheel my bike into a locker, lock it, and go to work. One morning, I get there, and all the lockers are used. It's a real pain in the butt, but I get my wife to drive in, take my bike home, and I go to work. Next morning, I get to the lockers 30 minutes sooner, 
thinking I just needed to be there sooner, and nope, all used. I start to wonder what's going on, and I get on my hands and knees and look under the doors of the lockers. Nearly all of them are empty, but locked by people. First, I try to be reasonable, and I call the council, who have the don't-you-dare-lock-these-when-empty signs, and they avoid responsibility, saying it's the train station's job. I ask the station manager, and he claims it's the councilman's responsibility. So I go to eBay and make it my responsibility, and it's frightening what you can cut through with a 20-pound pair of bolt croppers. The next Saturday, I drive into the station, and for every locker that is locked and doesn't have a bike in, I cut the lock and take it. About 80% of lockers were like this. Then the sweet revenge happens on Monday morning. I just turn up and watch. People cycle up to their lockers and find the lock is gone. No way for them to leave their bikes. I got to enjoy the dawning expression of surprise and frustration on three people's faces as they had to go to, what do I do now? No way to lock my like, no way to lock my bike pain that I did. Next Saturday, I did it again, and then I became addicted. I drove out to the next two train stations on the line and did the same to the lockers there, and I kept it up for a month until the lock stopped being used to reserve lockers, and I still have the cutters. Alright, I don't really know if I can endorse, you know, uh, a bike locker Batman out here going for some vigilante justice to get rid of everyone reserving, but that being said, I can understand how this is insanely annoying. You're trying to play by the rules, meanwhile everybody else is just like secretly hoarding these lockers forever never to be seen again. I can get why it's frustrating. I just still feel like, uh, I don't know, man, you could get in some trouble for taking your bolt cutters and cutting other people's locks, even if there was no bike inside. I wouldn't recommend keeping this up and going from village to village. You're gonna end up in a hot fuzz situation. My always late ex-friend made us 30 minutes late to a surprise birthday party, so I sent her to an expensive restaurant with an empty gift card to prove a point. A few years ago, I had a friend, Alex, who was always late. She was also the kind of person who would tell you I'm on my way when she was not, in fact, on her way. That was one trait of hers that caused me quite a lot of inconvenience. One time, we were both invited to a surprise party for a mutual friend, and clearly written on the invitation was something along the lines of, be sure to arrive at 6 p.m., don't be late or you'll miss the surprise. Come the day of the party, she and I agreed to meet at my house and drive over together at around 5 p.m. I asked her when she would be at my place, and she told me she'd be there at around 5.30, which was great because it was about 30 minutes away. Away. At 5.30, I called her to ask her where she was, and she told me she hadn't left yet, and then she promised that she'd be there in five minutes, and I figured it's okay because she lived close. Long story short, she ended up getting to my house at 6. I was mad, and we left immediately and made it to the party around 6.30, and by that time, the surprise had taken place, and it was in full swing. I mentioned to her that I was really bothered she had been late. Not only that, but she had strung me along and lied to prevent me from being on time, and she responded by saying things like, it's not a big deal, and we were only 30 minutes late, don't be so dramatic. At that point, I was sick of her being late and her attitude, being late, lying, and downplaying someone's feelings are all rude. So I went to a nearby steakhouse, took a gift card without putting money on it, and wrote $30 on the card and gave it to her a few days later, telling her it was a random gift for being my friend. A few days later, I got a text from her asking if I was sure I activated the card, and I told her yes and asked her why she was asking. She responded saying she had gone there with some friends without her purse and tried to use the gift card and it wasn't working. It was at that point I gave myself away by saying, oops, I guess it was wrong and it's not a big deal because you're only $30 short. She immediately picked up on what I was doing and proceeded to re receive a few very angry texts about how embarrassed she was and how rude and disrespectful I was for doing that and all of this because she was late, blah, blah, blah. I simply responded with, so you're saying if I tell you one thing and do another, it directly impacts your life in a negative way and it's disrespectful? And if you get mad at me for it and I downplay your feelings, it's rude and I've, am I understanding you correctly? She didn't respond and I found out later none of her friends were willing to able
available to cover her dinner, so she stayed for 30 minutes for her parents to rescue her. We didn't talk much after that, but hopefully she learned a lesson, and I'm sure she had a great time. And I'm sure I had a great time teaching it. This one's great, but the only reason I'm going to say it crossed the line a little bit is because that poor restaurant staff, dude, this person sounds like they suck, and you just made them have to sit there for 30 minutes hearing about how crappy their friend was for giving them an empty gift card. You know, it is pretty funny, though. I guarantee you that this uh, did teach them their lesson. I'm going to assume that this made it very clear that they can't just do stuff like that. Hopefully they never did it again. As long as they learned the lesson, it's okay, right? You know, if they're still out there making people late for stuff, well, then it was for nothing. Finding out I got the job, my arrogant family friend who told me I was stupid got rejected from. I have a close family friend who I grew up alongside. We had an intense rivalry when we were kids, and he loved to make fun of me. One of his favorite insults was to call me stupid and make me feel incompetent. And I remember a particular gathering when I was in year 7 when I confessed that I messed up a math test, and he spent the rest of the evening telling everyone at this gathering he was a straight-A student and I was a failure. He made digs about me being an idiot routinely for years. At one point, it very seriously affected my self-esteem. Anyways, our families grew apart. I got older and stopped seeing him for several years. Last week, though, I went to his sister's wedding and our families were talking, and his mom mentioned he applied for a clerkship at a top-tier law firm in the city, and he was rejected by all of them. Everyone else then tried to console him, and he was irritated by this, and commented things like, it's really competitive, hardly anyone gets in these days, and I didn't say anything. But then his mom asked me if I was working, and I said yes, and she asked where. At first, I contemplated saying something like, oh, a place in a city, but I decided it was too good of an opportunity to pass up, so I looked him at the face and said the name of one of the firms he was rejected from. Everyone went silent for a minute, and I can't explain how satisfying it was to see the astonished look on his face. Just to clarify though, I don't think grades are a fancy job or measure of intelligence or a person's worth, but he definitely does and it was a really petty win for me because the guy sucked. See, listen, if you had gone out of your way to 720 no-scope him, it would have been rude, but the fact that they were all just randomly talking about it and he said no one gets those jobs, it's impossible and you happen to work there, bro, that's the universe giving you a slow pitch and you're about to knock a home run. You can't get mad at somebody in that situation, bro. I mean, it's not like you were looking to cause conflict or argue with them. It was just presented to you and you did what you had to do. I think anyone in your situation would have done the same thing. This guy was a cocky jerk, so I had him promoted. I worked at an auto parts store and we had just hired a new guy that seemed to have prior experience in the business, but dang, he was cocky. He was super jealous of my position and I had gotten a raise and I'm not shy about it. Anyways, I'm a sales lead and he was under me and constantly undermining my authority and being a general pain in the butt all the time. He ignores my instructions and always tries to threaten me with policy, so what I did was drop a hint that there's a store manager position I'm considering, which normally is a good position, but this store was a wreck and everyone knew it. Never held a manager for over a month, but of course he applied for the position just because he thought I did and he got it by default because no one had applied in over a month of it being open. Pretty soon, he's working 120 hours a week on salary with no overtime and the store barely broke even, so we didn't get commissions. And that's like a quarter of their pay. I was making over double per hour with all the chill, cushy shifts in a fully staffed store that made bank. The store ended up shutting down and he got moved somewhere else. It didn't ruin his life, but it had to be miserable for a while and he made less money per hour than he did before. Don't assume you're smarter than people you don't know. See, this is brilliant because you didn't even have to do anything. You're just like, hey, if this store manager position's open, I might apply. And he instantly went above and beyond to do it so that way he could take it from you. You didn't even do anything. You didn't recommend him for it. You didn't put him up for it. You just planted the seed and he made his 
his own tree of crap, and uh, for that reason, this one's solid. When my boss has me work outside of work hours, I make him work outside of work hours. I work with a big company that lets me work for 10-hour shifts a week and have Fridays off. Occasionally, at the beginning of this, I would get a text on Friday from my boss or a text when I'm off on vacation, and this annoyed me. Nothing about my job has that level of urgency. The biggest annoyance to me is when I had the day off so I could move out of my house, and he texted me that morning, and I ignored it. And then he called me, and I ignored it, and he called me again a few minutes later, and I answered, and he wanted to talk about something that could wait till Monday, but he wanted to call anyways. So I decided to start handling things with a little pettiness. Anytime you want to text or call me on a day off, that's fine, but I'm not going to respond until after 6pm, and I'll always ask a question with it, which makes him work when he isn't working. After a few tries of this, he figured it out, subconsciously or consciously, and never texts me when I'm off anymore. Dude, okay, if he did figure it out and it wasn't subconsciously, then like, I don't know, man. I feel like he would have said something. If he thought you were trying to be petty and reply outside of work hours, he seems like the type of dude that would have called you and wanted to have a conversation about it. Seriously, though, this is the right way to handle it because you're not being disrespectful. You're just like, all right, dude, I'm off. I, I don't think you understand that I'm not supposed to be working. I warned you that I was not going to do those shifts. During my last few high school years and early university years, I worked part-time in a supermarket at the checkout department. Of course, you would see your fair share of Karens and Richards and Kevins and entitled parents, entitled kids, etc. But no one in that store was more infuriating to deal with than the most recently hired supervisor. She was the kind of supervisor that will deny paid time off if you didn't give four weeks notice, despite all of our contracts saying we only needed to give two weeks notice, and when you tried to give four weeks notice, she would say, it's too long ago, I don't remember you asking. At the time of the story, I had worked for the store for quite a few years, and every Christmas season, I would say the same thing to the supervisors. I don't have any plans, I'm not leaving town, so if you need me for extra shifts, just put me down when you need me, as long as I'm finished by 9.30. They knew I would not care if it was any day of the week, just a four-hour shift, 11-hour shift. I was completely free with no plans and flexible. My only condition was I had to be done by 9.30. This was because I had not yet gotten my full driver's license, and it's illegal for me to drive myself without comes without some kind of supervisor between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. The store was open from 8 to 10, so out of those 14 hours, I couldn't work a half hour of it. It was a good system between me and the lead that got a lot of extra shifts, with a lot of them being last minute. Early November, the new supervisor asked me about my December and January availability, and I said the same old song. You can put me down for extra shifts whenever for any day as long as I'm done by 9.30. She asked why 9.30, and I explained to her about my driver's license, and she nodded and walked away. Mid-November rolls around and the December schedule's released, and I'm given plenty of extra shifts as per usual, but you might have seen this coming. I'm scheduled six days a week, but, you know, five of them end at 10 p.m. I found the supervisor as soon as I saw the schedule and reiterated I couldn't work past 9.30, and the conversation went like this. Mm, but you can still work until 10 p.m. I can't, or else I'll be driving illegally, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, but there's other ways you can get yourself home. Like what? Have your family pick you up. No, they're in and out of town on business. You can take the bus. No, it arrives every hour, 10 to the hour. I'm not working until 10 and then waiting outside in the dark alone until 10.50 p.m. What about Uber? I'm not working all day just to spend it on an Uber to go home. Well, then I guess you need to find someone to fill in those shifts for you. Nope, according to my contract, I don't. And then she just walks away and I'm left there speechless. Later that same shift when she was the only one around, she completely left me out to dry with a horrid customer who could not use the self-service checkout to save his life and took it all out on me. We've all seen horrible people like that, but this guy in particular was so bad, co-workers, even those from different departments, kept coming asked to ask if I was okay after dealing with him. Not my supervisor, though. After I got home that day, I was done. 
I sent out CV after CV on job websites, and my mentality was, if I'm going to get paid minimum wage, I might as well do it somewhere better. And within a few days, I had a retail store asking me to come in for an interview. And within the next week, I had a new job lined up and ready to go, so I went back to the supermarket on my next shift and handed over my notice. All my other supervisors were gutted I was leaving. I'm not saying I'm some star employee, but I was always keen on extra shifts, barely called off sick, and was chill and willing to do a lot of the side tasks no one else wanted, like collect shopping carts in the rain or empty the rubbish bins. I just knew a lot of stuff about checkouts in general, and I was gutted I wouldn't be working with them anymore, but working with the one bad supervisor hurt more than working without the others. The day I handed in my notice, the bad supervisor wasn't working, and I didn't see her until a few days later when she stopped me near the back of the store around a few other workers. I'm guessing she wasn't too happy to lose a de facto full-timer before Christmas, and she seemed a bit flustered and had a fake smile of hers on. So I heard you're leaving soon. Yeah, in just under two weeks. But you've worked here for quite some time. Any particular reason you're leaving so quickly? Me, with the biggest grin I've ever had on my face. I already told you why. I'm not working those 10 p.m. shifts. It was beautiful. Within a split second of me saying that, her smile dropped and she just stared at me speechless. This time, it was my turn to just walk away. You know, I could understand the manager being a little bit of a jerk if, like, your request wasn't reasonable, you know, you're demanding to get off at 7 p.m. to get home in time for American Idol or something. But if you're saying you literally can't legally drive yourself home, you'll work until, like, right until you can't anymore, but you don't want to break the law, I feel like that's a totally reasonable thing to say. Hey, I'm not trying to break the law for my minimum wage job and get in trouble, your manager. Well, why not, huh? Because this job isn't worth it, dude. Look, they went home and got a job in 25 seconds flat. Nothing's better than being able to tell a crappy manager, shove it. Evil boss lady fired me and didn't give me my last check for a month. Ka-ching! I got a job as an EMT after six months community college training course. I was woefully unqualified and I barely knew the basics, but the teacher kept saying, don't worry, the new job will train you when you're hired. I got hired as an ambulance transport place that just took people to dialysis and things like that. Not emergency services. But there was no training. I was told to figure it out myself and I didn't know what I was doing and quickly realized I wasn't a fit but continued to try. On day four, I was let go. I had worked four days total and I signed a paper with reasons they were firing me, all of which I agreed with, so I signed. I asked if they had my check ready, and the man who was doing the paperwork said they didn't, but they'd send it to me. Not exactly legal, but alright. I waited and waited, and there was no check. I called to see where it was, and they were supposed to get that to me by law pretty quick. I called a few times to see where it was, and the boss lady was so rude, hanging up on me, ta not taking calls, and when I did get someone, they'd say, we'll mail it. I started researching labor laws, because it was getting ridiculous, and that's when I find out they have to give me a day's pay for every day my check is late, which is 150 bucks, so I stopped calling and started waiting. I finally got a check, but it was a payroll check, and it turns out I had worked two days in one period and two on the next. So I called again to tell them and got yelled at by the boss lady. I waited another two weeks and got my last check and filed a claim with the labor board for not getting my final paycheck in the time allowed by law, because it had been a month late by then. First meeting was mediation with a, tra a way to try to settle. The boss lady wasn't having it and kept saying she didn't owe me anything and her offer was 500 bucks. She said this was all set up with me and I knew that she owed me closer to 3000 and didn't have a leg to stand on so I refused and she stomped out and said I'd be hearing from her lawyer and next we went before a labor judge. This time the evil boss had done her research and gave every excuse an employer can use for not paying me the last check. She said I moved, she said I never tried to call him, they tried to call me numerous times, they tried to call me to get my address but my number was changed, she said her husband was a cop and an honest person and I was a liar and did all it intentionally. 
She said I purposefully didn't clock in and the times were messed up and she claimed a ton of reasons why I was fired. She claimed I almost killed one of the patients, none of which were listed on the paper they made me sign and the judge called her out on that. I went home, printed my phone records, highlighted the calls, and got a letter from my landlord saying I hadn't moved and took it back to the labor board and dropped it off. I didn't get to see the judge again, so I don't know if the judge ever saw it, but I did win the case, plus the judge added four days because the last check was sent on a Friday before a three-day weekend, and I was supposed to be paid until the postmark date, but didn't get paid until the following Tuesday. Over $3,000. Also, the evil lady wasn't paying the ambulance drivers double overtime after 12 hours, so I let that slip while I was in the mediator's office and she said she'd looked into it, and I hope that they did. If you, like, are running some massive successful business, I don't understand why you would want to, like, take somebody's last two paychecks. What was it? You know, 150 bucks a day, $600? You're gonna literally go to court over it, pay the lawyer's fees, all of this, end up having to pay over 3000 or, like, just pay people for the work that they did? It's not like he was robbing you. He literally did the work. I feel like the least you could do is hand over the check for the hours worked. I just don't understand why she would want to end up in a courtroom arguing over this instead. They parked in my spot that I pay for, so I blocked them in all day. In my complex, we have specifically assigned spots that you have to pay for. This person, I guess, doesn't want to pay for a spot, so they park on the street all the time, which is doable but a huge pain in the butt since you can't leave it overnight without a notice from management. The first time they'd done it, I confronted them as I happened to catch them as they were getting out of the car and they claimed they live in the townhouse right next to my spot and that someone had parked there so they parked there in my spot. That would make sense to me if I had ever seen their car parked in the spot before and that the car was there wasn't there all the time anyways. Also, the owner of the car was screaming at me while their friend was the calm one. I was fed up because other strangers had parked in my spot before, making me have to park out on the street. For context, yes, we do have garage doors as it's underground parking, but management has never got them operational for some reason. So this same person eventually parked in my spot once again and I was done. Normally, I'd just call security and they'd come threaten to tow the car because it's COVID, they're not sending people out unless it's a serious situation. So I happily parked my car right behind theirs. Luckily, I own a tiny car, so it's small enough to effectively double park, but it'll still leave even big SUVs with enough room to get in and out. I left a note on the car saying, note to management security, car license with blank, parked in my spot, and I'll be out of town till tomorrow. If there's any problems, call me with a number on file. Of course, I wasn't out of town at all. Then I came back, went out for a day to give them time to get their car, and I have never seen it parked in my spot sense only on the street. I would just say overall that like stealing someone's parking spot that they pay for and then yelling at them when they confront you about it is a good way to make sure that you never get to use that parking spot again. I mean honestly. Hey can you please move your car and not block me in? You're an idiot. This is my spot. You're a moron. Alright dude now I'm gonna go out of my way to make sure that I double park you in as efficiently as possible so you're never able to move the car again. Anyways, guys, I think that's going to do it for the video. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, I would really appreciate you taking a second to press the like button. Let me know in the comment section down below what you thought. Or, of course, you could, uh, you know, subscribe, turn on noties. If you really want to help me out, I'll put a link to the intro song down below, along with a link to my podcast, The Scuffed Cast, or of course, you could use code SCRUBBY at the G Fuel checkout to get a discount on G Fuel. Last but not least, I do put some of my content up on Spotify so you can listen to it offline without gameplay, whatever you prefer. I'll put that link in the top of the description, or you can get yourself some of the coolest merch to ever exist. That link's also in the description, so be sure to go check it out. And uh, yeah, on that note, guys, I think that'll do it. Don't get anyone pregnant. If you do, make sure they're hot, and hopefully I will see each and every single one of you guys next time. I'm out. Peace.